Kids love movies. If you're a young person who can't see or can't see well, Audio Description provides access to the visual images that sighted kids enjoy. The benefits of Audio Description in Education Baby Contest, sponsored by ACB's Audio Description Project and the Described and Captioned Media Program, wants those kids to experience Audio Description and then tell us about it. You have a chance to win prizes for yourself and your teacher. Just go to www.badycontest.org, B-A-D-I-E contest.org, and keep on enjoying audio description. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And I've heard it too many. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. And someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona. The Gardner is out this week, uh, new year, lots of new work pro- projects, so hopefully she will be back in a few weeks. Of course, we have Gabriel lopez Cafati, president of Blind Pride International. Say hi, Gabe, and give your president's message. Hey, Anthony, and hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection. Um, Yes, so much going on in the world, in our lives, in our country. Um, starting tomorrow, we have a big day uh, with our inauguration, uh, you know, democracy in action. Um, so sending lots, lots, lots of good energy and uh, lots of congratulations to our country on a uh, new administration and a lot of expectations for tomorrow and for the next four years. Um, We at uh, BPI have been keeping busy. Uh, We're very, very happy um, and very moved with tonight's show. I'll let Anthony talk a little bit more and introduce our guests. Um, Stay tuned, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, the last weekend in January, which is uh, 29th. 30th, 30th, oh my God, and 31st, uh, we, Blind LGBT Pride International, are going to be hosting our first ever virtual special interest affiliate convention. I know it sounded like a mouthful, but basically, (laughs) we are the first special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind to host our own standalone virtual convention. It's going to be packed of amazing, fun, informative, and, uh, you know, just just awesome programming all around. I'm going to let Anthony talk a little bit more about our programming and jump right into welcoming our fabulous guests of the evening. Well, let me first say I forgot to welcome our engineer extraordinaire, Byron Absolutely. Lee, who may jump in with some commentary or questions along the way. 
Uh, as far as programming is concerned, you can you can expect all the things that BPI is known for at national convention, including Wine Wisdom with uh, Mr. Gabriel, and I'll assist if I can in any way. Um, we've got a great Kindle presentation, um, a history, LGBTQ plus history presentation. There's a lot of stuff, but I think one of the highlights for me is behind the makeup. We're going to be talking with um, H Angel Sheridan, who hosts and produces drag for Broadway Divas in Orlando. And um, every Sunday they have a residency in Hamburger Mary's. And for what we think, we are pretty sure the first time ever in in the world, we're going to be presenting a drag performance that will be audio described by Roy Samuelson. You guys who are audio description aficionados know who he is, and um, it's an Aladdin production. It is awesome. But we have an amazing show tonight, so let's get right to it. Before I introduce our fabulous guest, Gabriel, I have a quick uh, trivia question. Do you know oh what... Kevin Spiritus and Hugh Jackman have in common. Oh my God. Um, that they're both cute and adorable. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. I love his I answer. Saw... Oh, Gabriel, <laughs> say more. Say more. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> say more. I'll get in trouble, Kevin. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know. Don't ask me which show I'm terrible with, with trivia, but I'm sure Kevin was. Um, Hughes understudy and 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 uh, the boy and from Oz. There you a, go. <laughs> a phenomenally successful Broadway production. Um, but we'll let Kevin tell us a tiny bit about that when we get into his theatrical life. Kevin Spiritus and Allison Bannon, welcome to the program. After forever, two seasons, a bunch of Emmys, all kinds of other accolades. Now Riley's Unforgettable School Project, an extension piece on After Forever. And correct me if I'm wrong, but as soon as COVID lifts, we're going to get the third and final season in the trilogy, yes? You are correct. You are correct. Well, welcome to Pride Connection. Thanks, Anthony. Hi, Gabriel. Hi, Brian. Thank you. Um, welcome, uh, Kevin and Allison. Just FYI, uh, I was Hugh Jackman's standby, not understudy. There's a difference. Not that it's oh. a big deal, but the standby never goes <laughs> to the stage until Hugh drops, you know, to his knee oh. because I threw marbles or something on the stage. <laughs> No, but, um, <laughs> never missed a show. He's a great guy, and we and um, he's actually uh, he's a huge fan of After Forever, and he's very supportive of it. And he's been just an amazing uh, supporter of all of us who came from that Broadway cast. And so, very grateful to have met him all those many years ago. I think it's like fifteen or so years ago now. But well, you. Our listeners will remember uh, quite a few months back, you joined us to talk about After Forever. Riley's Unforgettable School Project was released recently uh, to amazing fanfare. Tell us a little bit about the special. Uh, well, I, <clears throat> this is how it kind of went down. Um, Michael Slade, uh, my collaborator, writing partner, and... Um, um, all-around great guy who, uh, and we'll probably go into this too, who recently lost his battle to cancer just days before his birthday and the day we released uh, 
the special episode of Riley's Unforgettable School Project. And um, we, uh, the scripts for season three were already written and we were attempting to do season two and season three back to back. And timing wise between our director and my leading man, Mitchell Anderson, kind of fell apart. So we just said we were going to go straight for season two. And, and then COVID happened. And uh, I remember the day that Michael and I and Allison sat down at a Zoom meeting and we really, we didn't want to change season three's um, trajectory of storytelling by changing it to a COVID story because it didn't have anything to do with the healing process and the trilogy of what Michael and I wanted to share about Brian's journey of healing uh, through his loss. So, um, Allison just sort of pitched out, uh, we gotta, we can try and find a way of staying relevant and current with some sort of story maybe. And, um, what kind of story would be that? And it was a COVID story, of course. And, um, from that, Allison, when was that? That was, that was like, not, was that like maybe April we came up with that idea? I mean, I think we had a couple conversations about it, but I think, it really came together pretty quickly. I think once we, you know, kind of had a little spark of a thought about it, you know, Michael and kind of the wheel started turning and you guys started talking about it and it really came together pretty fast. So yeah, it was like halfway through this past year. I think that it really came together. I, I, I do know <laughs> it was, it was somewhere in the summer area, uh, June or July, early July. And, um, I remember reading the script because um, we were starting to put stories together and Michael said to me, you know, you're not going to be the star of this episode. <laughs> and um, Kevin quit. No. That's when Kevin quit. <laughs> and, and recast. Um, but I remember it was very, it, so I think by the, I think by the end of July, we had a script and we had a, we had a Zoom cast reading to hear it out loud. And that's really when we knew we had something. And then, you know, the technical things. I mean, this this is why Allison was such a, a an asset and a gem and a true star because Allison knows the project so well and she's produced it um, incredibly for the last two seasons. But um, when she, can you hear my cat crying? <laughs> uh, but she, uh, Allison pitched herself to direct. She really wanted to direct this. And, uh, you know, her understanding of the characters and her understanding of the story was and her techno technical um, knowledge for what we had to do, which I'm going to let her tell you all about because she made it happen, um, was the perfect choice. Let us um, let us tell the listeners that the premise of Riley's Unforgettable School Project is a remembrance, um, a project highlighting Jason, um, who mm -hmm. is Brian's departed. Um, so Allison, tell us a little about it. And and if you can answer, I was surprised to see that there were um, new faces. Uh, well, mm -hmm. here, new voices, because everybody knows <laughs> we are visually impaired. But um, mm -hmm. I was surprised that, that you introduced new characters. So tell us about yeah. it. Well, you know, first off, you know, while Kevin says it's a COVID story, it, it really is just framed by COVID. So, you know, this 
uh, as you said, it's more of a piece about Jason. And, and the way that's framed is that Riley, the 11 year old character, um, the son of, uh, you know, Brian and Jason's friends, um, he is tasked with a school project um, while he's, you know, learning virtually um, to do a project about the most unforgettable person um, they know. And so Riley, of course, chooses Jason and enlists the rest of the friends and family to submit videos about Jason and he puts it together. And that's what the special is. It's, it's his, it's Riley's video about why Jason is so unforgettable. And so we have all these wonderful stories from each of the characters point of view. And I think in, you know, Michael and Kevin figuring out what the story was, they realized, you know, Jason had other people in his life that were also a big part of his life that we maybe haven't seen before. Um, one of them being his assistant, um, which, you know, that happened, you know, those, a lot of those scenes would have happened before or in other, you know, parts of this story that we've never seen before. So I thought it was really an interesting way to bring in some of those untold stories we've never heard about Jason and kind of showing how, how much bigger this, his life was and his story was. And, and let me also add in, um, <clears throat> In season two, it was very clear we had a memorial for Jason, mm -hmm. and this was very important to Michael and myself to not have another memorial. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's it was also important to kind of offer something new and have some surprise. And um, because um, this became a um, <laughs> because this became a remote shoot. Uh, due to COVID's rules and regulations, you know, we had to send a camera, a computer, a light ring, and a microphone to each person's apartment slash house slash country. Oh, yeah, uh, all over the world. <laughs> some people were not in the same country anymore. And, um, and we had to figure out a way to make this exciting. And, um, and one of the surprises was, was to bring in, um, Alma Cuervo, who plays um, uh, oh, Perez, Janet uh, Perez, uh, Jason's assistant, and she's she's such a lovely lady, and she's actually closer friends with Michael. She was, and um, but Janet, I mean, have uh, excuse me, uh, Alma actually back in 2015 uh, was um, one part of our our cast members who did the staged reading of the piece when we were first trying to get money raised. So it's it's just Michael wanted to keep her in the family that way. And and then there's some surprises in the story that are told and revealed. And I won't give any spoiler alerts because I know you all want to hear it. Um, mm -hmm. But that took a little um, <clears throat> a wonderful little weaving together of all these stories in a documentary style uh, presentation. And um, but Allison really um, I got to I got to go to test test um shoots with allison in burbank <laughs> <laughs> we were picking our camera up and i was like oh my god you know how to do this really good you're like so well eventually you know it's like i can't tell you how many projects got canceled this past year and you know between that and you know talking to other producers and figuring out like budgets and logistics of like how to film during covid plus I'm on the board of women in media and we had been doing events trying to inspire people and educate people about how to shoot remotely and shoot safely in person. So we had been doing a lot of discussions um, about how to pull these sorts of things off. So when we were discussing the fact that we just didn't see filming season three 
um, the way it was intended, you know, happening anytime soon. Um, that's why the idea of being able to do some sort of remote shoot um, came up because I felt like I had uh, had done enough kind of research and discussion um, about how to pull off such a thing that, you know, I'm, I'm crazy. And I said, let's just do it. <laughs> and, and, and she's laughing about it now. But this woman is absolutely so absolutely calm. OK, let's do it again. Let's get that there. Let's do this here. And um, and I was, you know, I'm I'm like a big Papa Bear. I want to make sure everything's done right. I'm a Leo. That's my zodiac sign. There's a little, <laughs> but uh, you know, I have to defer to uh, Allison's her 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 knowledge and her technique about all this. It, it was really it was an undertaking, needless to say, and um, coupled with so much going on with COVID, with Michael getting and sick. with Michael, yeah, it was like you know. I think um, I was in LA. I was directing and producing from LA. Kevin was in New York. Michael was in New York. None of us were in the same space. Michael was dealing with his health issues, you know, and and our and cast was all over the place. And I didn't actually have to go to New York. I chose to go to New York for two reasons. I we um, visually we really couldn't find a place anywhere here in L.A. that was that was able to be offered up that might look similar to Brian and Jason's apartment in New York. So I knew that. Um, uh, Laura Barquette's home that we've used, the the beautiful townhouse that we call the Barquette Studios on the Upper East Side. Um, <laughs> I knew that she wasn't. She was at her other house in the Hamptons, and I could stay there. So that was a given. I could go there if I wanted to, you know, put my mask on and fly through COVID. But uh, I told Allison, I said, I have a feeling, because we had done some remote um, location scouting. And Michael was getting a little tired from the treatment. And um, I just said, you know, this might be the last time I or any of us really get to see him in person. I, I want to go there. I want to be there with him. Mm -hmm. So that was important to me to make sure that he knew that it wasn't something just like, all right, well, you're there. I'm here and we'll get it done. But um, and we had some really good time together um you know i i did play a doctor on tv so i came with my my, <laughs> uh, my mask and um but you know michael was, sure he, he felt so good having you there and your expertise kevin <laughs> i have to say but you know michael had and what a lot of people don't know is that michael has been dealing with this uh cancer since the end of season one filming so he started treatment it, he it was in remission for a very short time and then it came back and uh you know he was he was such a warrior and and i i'm i mean i haven't really talked to allison about this because we've been away from each other physically since he's passed um but he he did so much while he was sick and while he was going under treatment and you know, the Emmys, when we went to the Emmys in 2018, 19, mm -hmm. was, he was in massive, massive um, uh, treatment. And he just, I, I am so grateful he got that experience. I'm so grateful mm -hmm. we got to go up on stage and, and receive those honors. And I know, I know he's, 
as a matter of fact, cut to when he went into hospice, the three things he took with him was a picture of his, his late partner and a picture of me and he on stage at the Emmys and one of the Emmys. And I said, these are the important <laughs> things you have to have around. But uh, we, uh, Allison and I had, um, uh, we, we could see um, in the, in the zoom um, uh, shoots during uh, not just the remote um, location location scouting, but during filming, he was just getting tired and looking tired and looking mm-hmm. um, beat. And um, but he was there for every single shoot. Every single shoot. And wow, so amazing! I can't, even, I can't mm-hmm. even tell you what he had to do to get to those shoots. And um, mm-hmm. but um, there came a moment when we, Allison and I kind of made an executive decision that if we were going to get this completed once everything was shot and everything was um, being edited uh, michael was really starting to fail and we couldn't wait for his opinions or his ideas on editing or his you know um, signing off on certain things so we really had to kind of take it we, we became the we became the Michael and Kevin really together, mm-hmm. Allison and I. And um, sh- thank you for being there, Allison. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's a beautiful piece. Our, our listeners can go back, and we'll put the um, the show link in from the original uh, conversation we had with you and Michael. Mm-hmm. So our listeners will be able to hear the story of how After Forever came to be, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can, it was a labor of love for many reasons, but one of them being it was partially cathartic telling Michael's own story and the the full circle of you being able to now take on Michael's spirit and tell it for him and and do it in, in a labor of love is absolutely beautiful. And we wanted, Pride Connection wanted to, to celebrate that and, and to have a space where we could talk about that a little bit thanks anthony thanks i know i know um you know i'm really okay when i don't have to talk about it (laughs) um michael michael was very clear when we sat down and started to write the series that he was ready to work on this from a um an artistic place you know he was ready to work through some of this uh you know loss from a place of of love and um healing and you know from the moment he broke the news to me and allison it was like okay here's a little art imitating life situation i've been diagnosed with this rare cancer ha ha um and you know, then when it came to writing this project, which basically um, did Allison, it's three questions that Riley asks everybody to answer the whole gang. And it's what they like most about Jason, what they like least about Jason and what his favorite, what their favorite memory was about Jason. And Michael had a lot of stories. I had a few stories that, you know, we tried to throw them into the pot. But when Michael started to weave these stories together, in the weirdest way, this is even before he had announced to us that he was going to now stop treatment and go into hospice. It was it was really kind of um, it became hard to watch on a certain level because it was almost like 
a tribute to Michael and all mm -hmm. of the stories that he had woven together from his experience and then things that I'd taken and he had created, you know, uh, it, it just, it was really, it's such a, it feels very, very Twilight Zone, like surreal. And I don't, uh, Alice and I, Alice and I are so busy doing with so many other things right now that we haven't really decompressed ourselves about it, but it's, it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it was, you know, we had a, we had a private screening with our cast and our producers and, you know, it, I think it's like, that's when it really, I think on hit Zoom. me. We had, on Zoom. we had to do it. Yeah, on, exactly. On Zoom. Um, it just, I think hit, hit me at least then like how kind of strange the whole situation was about, you know, like this special about you know is about it's kind of a memorial in its own weird way to somebody that we were literally had just lost three days prior you know it was just, it's it's kind of a surreal experience being a part of you know seeing it come together and then celebrating it and him at the same time after forever oh i'm sorry go ahead kevin i was just i was just thinking of of you know and and, 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 and God bless him and God bless anybody who is ever in this situation and they have been informed they need to get their affairs in order. I just, I don't ever want to experience yeah. that. And, um, but I went out to see him in Connecticut once he was in hospice and even through his fear and being scared and holding on to his hand, he, his humor was still intact. <laughs> And, you know, there was a couple of things that, you know, we had waited and waited and waited on his approval to get the okay for a, for a scene or for a take. And, and then Alice and I had to go full forward and he goes, I, and I had just poured my heart out to him, thanking him for making me a, a better man. And, and, you know, for, by knowing him and working together and making me an honest actor, and he goes, did you change that scene that I wanted? And I go, um, I can't really say we did because there was a two against one vote. And he goes, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it, he goes, it's a dying request. I said, you cannot quote your own lines from season one. That is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I mean, it was really kind of, um, you know, we were, we were having feeling of course, but it was just, it was lightning to, um, to have that shared moment with him. And the After other big forever. thing about, the, sorry, sorry. I was going to no, say the other big thing about this special, and this is something that, you know, Michael and Kevin came up with, was as they were talking about Riley, you know, our actor um, who plays Riley, Finn Douglas, is a wonderful budding, you know, musical theater performer, singer, songwriter. And, you know, they had this idea to approach Finn to write and perform a song, song. Um, yeah. that would be for Jason. And that happens at the, you know, at the end of the special. Um, and, you know, we just couldn't be prouder of Finn for pulling off such an amazing feat. So Kevin, I don't know if you want to talk more about that, but. I, I was actually going to say, um, uh, and I forgot to ask you, Finn Douglas, he's 11 years old going on 49. I mean, he's just <laughs> incredibly gifted, um, he's never taken a piano lesson, but he, he plays by ear. He, he's picked out songs and guitars and, and, you know, Michael and I were like, well, there's no real need for Katie's character, Lisa, to sing this season, uh, this episode, because there's no club act, you know, or, and we were joking and, and Michael actually said, 
I, I, I said, I said, what if we have Finn or something like that? And he goes, what if we have Finn write a song? And we both went, and then we thought, oh, nah. well, let's see, maybe he'll come up with something really cute and really like 11 year oldish for a project like this, because that's what it, an 11 year old would do. And um, just uh, as you were saying that, I, can I can I play a little bit of it? Please, yes. I, I won't play the whole thing. I just um, but he did a great job. Talk about how great of a job he did, Allison. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he he literally wrote the lyrics and wrote the song, and I don't believe there were very many changes at all. Um, there, and there's not one. Nope. There. And then I mean, it's just beautiful. And you know, even his mother told us like he he did this on his own, and he was so excited for the opportunity and we're just you know we were blown away and he performed it on camera um, multiple times and it's just yeah it was just so wonderful i mean he knocked us out of the park here i think i've got it right here i wrote a song of that he's pulling a guitar into his lap and speaking to the camera yesterday I sent a wish up to heaven, hoping my voice might be heard, trying to find a way to talk to you, hmm. trying to find the right words. Do you know how much I miss you? Can you see? Okay, that's it. Uh, that's it. I can't. I can't. That's, a, that's the teaser. You that's guys have to all go watch and listen. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I, and I guarantee you, this song will be in your head. And it's he's, beautiful. It's he is. Um, we knew we had something quite special when he played it live for the cast reading mm -hmm. on that Zoom that day, just to sort of like see if the song fit. And um, yeah, it's it's. He's very talented. He's very yeah, talented. Yeah, everyone was speechless. <laughs> very proud of the kid. Very proud of him. Mm -hmm. And Michael is too. Michael, Michael, you know, Michael really uh, nurtured that part of of Finn's um, talent. We we went to see him, oh, I guess about a year and a half ago, do a, a one act, um, a musical one act uh, in New wow. York. And uh, it was just, I think it was while we were finishing season two and he just, you know, he's got something. And um, so we're very grateful. After Forever and, and by extension, Riley's, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I gushed a little, quite a bit in the first, uh, the first interview and I won't do it now, but. Go ahead. You know, it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's Emmy Award winning. It's it, and as I, I, you know what I do, I have to say this. It's the first series where I was, I did not have a single cringe moment of how LGBT was portrayed on screen. And there's there's moments that are that are campy, we would say, but it it just fits, and it's not it it I it's the first series where I felt that's what. I want to be, that's who I want, you know, people to think I'm like, that, you know, that my community is like that. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things, you know, After Forever explores all, you know, so many varying types of love. And, you know, we're talking about Michael, we wanted to talk about Michael. 
And I was wondering if the both of you, especially Kevin, if you talk about your love with Michael, you know, you had a partnership that goes, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, an LGBT romance partnership, but it was just as deep, just as, as intimate. So if the two of you would, would like to please share with us about your love with Michael. Go ahead, Allison. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've got plenty to say on it. Um, oh, God. Um, do, you remember, do you remember when I introduced you to Michael? Do you remember when you came out to L.A.? Remember? Yeah, well, isn't that when we had lunch at Lemonade? Lemonade, yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny because um, I was introduced to Kevin um, through, uh, through somebody I worked on a feature film with. Um, and then Michael came out to LA and the three of us all went and had lunch and, you know, Michael was always kind of the, you know, the dad you wanted to please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said it, yes! <laughs> dad or the big brother. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, you had to, you know, he was the one that was gonna, you know, say yes or no, or, you know, you wanted his approval and, you know, and he also, he always knew exactly what he wanted. So, um, I think it just that came with the the territory. You wanted to make sure that he got what he what he envisioned, um, and I think that that just created a you know a really great dynamic between everybody on set. And everybody looked up to him, and everybody wanted his approval. And everybody was so proud of the the job that they did when you know when Michael was proud of it. Um, so I'm so glad we were all able to fulfill that you know, for him and see the vision through in all of our own ways. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's well said. You know, Michael wasn't a very, um, ex he, he was more of an introvert. And, um, you know, the balance was that I'm not an introvert by any means. And, um, wait, what? <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I didn't know Michael from Adam. I, I really, I mean, he knew who I was because he had worked with, he had worked on Days of Our Lives as a writer when I was ending my contract. And they keep the writers and actors separate in most of the soap opera uh, situations on network for some reason. Um, but, you know, he recognized me and he came up to me and he started talking. And I, I didn't, I, I just, I, the pitch came out of me. Like, I just, I want to do a new series about a gay man and this and that, and I'm ready to go. And blah, 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 and he went, we should talk. And, you know, as we sat there and created our relationship, um, because he he's 10 years older than I, I am, and um, he is like an, he's like an elder to me. He was, he was someone I looked up to because of the knowledge and the experience he had in, in constructing content and telling story. But uh, when we made the deal to be 50-50 and everything and how it would work, you know, um, there were moments that I cowered about, well, I, I, I don't really know if that moment works as well, but, you know, I'm an actor coming to that, to that idea and this is how I would do it. And, you know, he was quiet in his response or his listening and you just never knew if he was like really like shut up, Kevin, or, you know, like, you're being crazy. And sometimes he would say, I don't know, that doesn't work because of this. And you don't want to go down that, you know, down that path, where would it take us? And I go, Oh, I see. Hmm. 
Let me get back to you. And he would always challenge the thing that I may or someone else may bring up. But what I do know is that he he made me write things down, not just tell him. And I would I would I wish I had recordings of this. <laughs> I would scream and go, "You put that in! You put that into that. That's my line. That's that's my idea. You know, you you really." And um, he goes, "Well, it was good." <laughs> and then he said, "I've taught you well." You know, and so he and you know, uh, and we all get all of the story and all of the words are very precious to all of us and um you know i used to i used to get angry at michael for um like why do you why is it okay if like katie huffman or or anita gillette or or lenny wolpe or even jameson stern they like they put the words into the the dialogue and they say it and they kind of mash it up a bit and it's not exactly as rip but when i say it he goes because that's the way i speak and you're my mouthpiece and i would just okay you know i had the heart i had the hardest responsibility but he he kept, he kept a balance to everything and um uh he did teach me a great deal of 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 creative process that i didn't know i had in me and um he made me understand that i'm really great with story and i'm really great with building story and the wordsmith was always michael unless it didn't run off of our tongues easily and we'd all go can we change that line to this or that but he would he would look at it and think about it and there's a great scene in season two where katie huffman understood that this was a necessary scene it was when she and i are on the pier um but she questioned it so much that he said, you're right, I gotta go back and rethink this. And he wrote the scene overnight and we went out that next day and just threw it to the wind and it stuck and it's one of the, it's a beautiful yeah. scene. Yeah. I miss him, I'll miss that, I really will. One more question about Michael um, and thank you so much, really so much for sharing with us. I remember, in another conversation, you know, Emmy Awards, other accolades, and um, Michael. Six and, Emmy Awards, just by the way, six Emmy <laughs> Yes, and <laughs> shout it out, absolutely. Um, you and Michael were tag teaming. I loved how you tag teamed on stories, by the way, but mm -hmm. you were tag teaming on a story about um, a, a person who had um, been afraid to come out and ended up watching it. I believe it was the grandmother um, you know, and, and he had said, uh, something along the lines of, you, you know, if I never got an Emmy, if not one person gave accolades, something along those lines, this is the best, uh, you know, reward, reward we could have possibly gotten. And that it, the, the sound, the timbre, the cadence in his voice, there was no mistaking that he yeah. absolutely meant that. He did. He did. I, I think. I mean, Allison gets it responses outside of my circle and, and, and Michael's circle. Um, you know, we've had people all over talk to us about it's not about a gay love story. It is a love story. It's told through a gay thematic tilt, if you will. But it's a story about love and loss and how people have to understand that and go through it. And I, I read him. I read him notes every other day for the last 
month that he was alive. You know, I'd get a fan letter. I'd pull one out from what we, he goes, I remember when they wrote that, or I remember that day, or, you know, and it's, it's, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Is there something in season three that is pure Michael that we should look forward to? And I know not spoilers, but is there a, a moment <laughs> that you can tease to look for us to look forward to? You know, um, I'm sure there's more than a handful. Um, I can tell you, I won't say it because it will, it will, it will, it could ruin the, the way you watch this particular episode. I know which episode is his favorite. I know which episode is the one that um, hits him. You are using the computer audio consent left panel. Needing information button to activate. You are in the meeting hosted by Byron Lee with six. Harvey. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> I think Harvey might have a question for us. He is uh, one of our founding members. Yay, Harvey. Um, anyway, uh, I just, there's a couple of moments where he said, you know, this is a very special scene and this is a very special episode and it's going to change the way people think about a lot of things. Oh, no, now I'm muted. Anyway, well, um, and I, are... I do want to say one more thing too. I was sure. just making the, the, the laugh about the six Emmys, but um, season two, <laughs> season two, we had um, a great deal of nominations and we only won uh, the writers team. And I was so absolutely like for any other, if we didn't win any other award that year for the Emmys, I wanted the writing award to go to Michael because of how much he had absolutely worked his butt off, you know. So I'm so so happy. Um, it looks like we do and have Harvey. a question from Harvey because he did unmute himself. So um, since there's a break in the conversation here, should we take Harvey's question? Yeah, sure. Hi, Harvey. Welcome. Um, Hi, I had to mute again because my dog was barking. So <laughs> we all know how that is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I haven't been here long enough to uh, create a question. <laughs> um, I uh, wound up uh, reading email, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the time passed by me here. But uh, I am curious about uh, uh, the program and uh, uh, looking forward. I assume that it's on at, uh, at uh, some point. Uh, it is on Amazon Prime under After Forever. And it is an amazing program, Harvey. Please go check it out. Okay. I will indeed. Thanks, Kevin. Yes. If if you don't mind, I think um, we can switch topics a little bit. Um, I think I would be horsewhipped by a few people if I didn't mention Dr. Craig Wesley. And you popped back up in Salem recently for um, their digital special. And I know that um, you are close with Nadia outside of of the work life um so now that her character is back on screen under contract and she'll be around for a while is there any hope that dr craig will pop back up in salem 
I I say there's always a hope. Um, and, and it just really also it, wait. She just left town. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oops. Uh, I, I, I have not. Um, I, I'm sorry to say. Um, you know. Uh, let me just say that network daytime is is the machine that keeps on going, and it's a great, extraordinary gift that has been able to give for the fifty some odd years that it's been around. Um, and it gave me a, a, an amazing uh, comeback, if you will. Um, and it also led me to where I am now. Um, Dr. Craig always has a special place in my heart. Um, and if they were to call me right now while we were having this interview, I'd say, bye-bye. I got to go. Um, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I would love to go back if they have me back. It's always fun to be with that family. And it's a whole different it's a whole different pool that you're swimming in you know it's a whole different game it's a whole different muscle um, but Allison and I are working on some other projects and um, <clears throat> we're readying um, well um, you were speaking we were speaking of Rob Goki earlier and I just sent um, Allison a picture today what was that from what year was that from um, 20 oh yeah that was a little would you say 2005 or something Oh, I, anyway, it's a picture of us. We were down in uh, we were down in Palm Springs at the Palm Springs Film Festival. Oh, that one, yeah, a couple and, years ago. And um, it's the night that Rob came up with this incredible idea called mm -hmm. Dinosaur Hunters, and mm -hmm. now a podcast. And we've all been working on that. And um, and Allison's got a project that she optioned, and we're working on that and so i mean we've got things that are in the works and um at days calls i would love to um be with nadia and and daddy her up a bit you know <laughs> you know um i recently read an article that that really touched me i'm from new york originally everybody knows that um in the theater community is god devastated as, as are so many industries. And the article I reference is that um, Law and Order SVU is hiring as many Broadway performers and, and um, crew as they possibly can. And being, you know, your theater roots are so strong. I was wondering. Well, let um, me move back to New York right now and get on that job, my gosh. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay, iced tea, absolutely. Um, what do you think Broadway is going to look like after, you know, after we are out of the darkness of the pandemic? I, I think I think everything, not just Broadway, um, but live theater, especially we, it will return. Uh, I mean, we're already finding ways to return to the film world and the TV world uh, through the protocols that they are asking us to take. But um it's going to take some time and we are a we're a community and a nation and a world of immediacy and we have to be patient and i know it's hard we don't have the funds we don't have the insurance we don't have the food sometimes or the rent but um to be safe we're all going to we need to partake in patience and um you know my, my prayer every day is that you know get us through this keep us safe and keep us um kind to each other because it's it's a hard time and there's been a lot of loss mm -hmm. and um we won't get into it here because it's frustrating but you know our administration was just 
we were not the leading country. We were not the leading edge that the country should have been in this. And some people who were trying were squashed by doing so. And, um, um, you know, it's an unfortunate. That's partly, it's partly why we also wanted to do this, right? It's like keep people engaged, not just fans, but also our cast and our crew and, you know, give people a little bit of hope and, and a, a way to be creative when they're not able to have those creative outlets right now. And, you know, I think for us, for sure, for Michael during an even different difficult time and our cast too, I think everybody was relieved to have something to dig their teeth into um, that wasn't the reality that we're, what we were dealt this year. And I, and I, I, I told Allison this a couple of times, I gave Michael several times an easy out saying, look, if this is too much, let's we'll stop with just we'll put this on the shelf until you're able to do it and he said absolutely not this gives me normalcy it makes me feel um uh, you know important and it makes me feel like i'm committed to doing something that's that's yeah it's um, something to look forward to yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um and and you know <clears throat> season three will make it out eventually and 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 Broadway will come back and, you know, shows mm -hmm. will be done. And, um, uh, but I, the world's changing every day outside of that. So things are going to be done differently and we just have to be open to that change, you know. And I, BPI is known for advocacy in, in many different areas. And so since we're on these kind of subjects, I think it's really important whenever we can support the artists out there that are doing their thing in a different way, not only for monetary monetary value, but to keep their art alive, to keep their spirit alive inside themselves whenever we can, if we can support, watch, watch mm -hmm. concerts or be, you know, be part of these impromptu readings that come up or just to just to give that that life back as well, because, you know, they they they're on the lines that, that have very little support. And mm -hmm. anything we can do to help is is much needed. So digital. Anthony, series. I wanted to. Oh, Go okay. Ahead. No, no. Since you were talking about advocacy, I just wanted to, before we jump into digital series, I just wanted to um, not only commend Allison, but also um, ask you a little bit about the work that you are doing um, for. Uh, gender equality and and yes in the uh, artistic world in the uh in that such competitive world that it can sometimes be as we have heard so many sad stories in the last couple of years can be so challenging for a woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for that i mean you know it's um something i've always you know, been passionate about. And I've also always found myself working on projects that are, you know, representing under <laughs> underrepresented groups. Um, so when, um, you know, a colleague of mine approached me about joining the board of women in media, it was kind of a no brainer. And so mm -hmm. I've been working with women in media for quite a few years now. And we are, um, you know, our mission is, uh, gender balance and parity on crews um, above and below the line on every crew and every department on every show. 
and um, you know we're we're doing that in many in many ways um, through our initiatives and programs and our outreach and our advocacy out there, you know, with unions and with award shows and you know uh, it's we're chipping away at the uh, the old system and we're you know just like this show right like the more representation we see on screen and uh, representation we have behind the scenes, the better our stories mm-hmm. are, the more we open our eyes um, and, and just tell better stories about our world. So, you know, for us, you know, this show obviously has an LGBT, you know, through line, um, but also our, our crew was extremely diverse on many different levels. And I'm That's proud to say to that we, yeah, that we had just a, an amazingly diverse crew. And I think it, it just adds to the, the amazing family and the support system that we had. Um, and it enabled us to make such a wonderful show. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to commend you not only for your ability to pull all that together, Allison, but, um, what these two, these three gentlemen don't know is that she's going to run the studio someday. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, and we need to talk offline. I've got a few ideas, Allison. <laughs> Allison knows everything about everything and not in a, like, I'm better than you way. And then if she doesn't know something, like an hour later, she's like, oh, yeah, this is where it's at. And, da, da, da. and she's figuring, it's like, <laughs> my brain is well, so full from other stuff. So, you know. Blind Pride International is um, under the American Council of the Blind, and we're the intersectionality, of course, of the LGBTQ plus and uh, mm-hmm. visually impaired community. In I know this is not your area, your forefront, but how how much how much strides are being made in the industry for those who are disabled to have work, to have representation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it's been interesting this past year seeing um, finally a few changes made on on the award side of things. You know, some of the mandates that have been put in place by the academy um, to finally not only you know deal with gender imbalance, but also um, you know, I mean, taking into consideration those with disabilities, um, you know, uh, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, and really putting it on productions to, and also production companies and distribution companies to be more cognizant of their choices and realize that there's going to be repercussions if they don't start getting their act together. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're finally seeing, and it's, it's ridiculous that it even has to be said, but you know what, we have to be drastic and we have to um, write it out and say, if you want to be, you know, considered for an Academy Award, if you want to be considered for, you know, these huge prestigious, um, you know, awards, you have to start hiring and representing the world that we live in. And only doing that and forcing that, because guess what, that's unfortunately the way this um, industry works is the prestige is like the top, you know, the, the thing that everybody wants. So we have to put that on the table. And finally, we're getting mandates where people are gonna have to start paying attention to that. Um, and so I'm glad that that's finally happening. We, it obviously isn't going to solve all of our problems, but it's finally a conversation people are having. 
Gabe, do you have um, a final question you want to ask? Um, well, no, just just a, a thought on what Allison just said. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, time to to I loved the way you said it, Allison. Um, to you know represent in media what who we really are, the real world, not the perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, not everyone can look like Kevin. <laughs> yes, I, was, I didn't want to say it that way, but you know. <laughs> well, um, but um, I wanted to say what what you what you just said, Allison, um, is what uh, our president, the president of the American Council of the Blind, Dan Spoon, refers has referred to in many other conversations that we've had about equality and diversity. He, he has referred to it as being intentional and, and that is what you are doing, being intentional yeah. about it and not letting it fall through the cracks or not letting ha letting it happen by coincidence, but being very intentional. Mm -hmm. And as you as long as you keep that alive and you keep working for it, um, you know, it, like like Kevin said a moment ago, nothing is going to happen immediately. But if we don't start, it's never going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the one thing, I mean, the only, you know, kind of glimmer of hope that I've had this past year is that finally we have been, unfortunately, given the chance to pause yes. and look at our world and see what's not working and figure out a way to change it. And, you know, what you said, too, I just have to say, Allison is diligent in this. She's and this is what I think makes her such a great creative uh, uh, collaborator and director and writer. And she is diligent in finding the absolute, uh, you know, straight through line, you know, to get it done or, you know, um, and, and she, she, she takes no prisoners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, with, I, her, I'd you, like to. Huh? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish, Kevin. I was going to say you go with her or you you fall to the wayside because she's very committed to uh, this. And um, it's it's an extraordinary um, attribute. You know, following on what, what Gabe and Allison had said, COVID has leveled the playing fields, um, at least from our side. You know, we get those of us with, um, you know, with a significant disability, with a, a challenge in life that we have to add layers to to overcome, to to live normally, to live productively, et cetera, et cetera. COVID has given, you know, the the normal, oh God, I hate that word, population, you know, a glimpse into what it's like, the extra layers of of life that we have to live every day just to just to level the playing field, to be on the same playing field. Everyone's yeah. Everyone's prepared in a way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I hate to say this. Time flies way too quickly. Kevin, if you can, real quick, tell everyone where they can find After Forever and where they can write to you guys, and implore them to please leave comments on Amazon about the show and the yeah. special. Uh, we implore you to leave comments, great reviews, stars on IMDb <laughs> and Amazon Prime. After Forever, the series, season one and two are on Amazon Prime and After Forever, Riley's incredible, uh, Riley's <laughs> unforgettable. unforgettable. <laughs> is also on Prime. And um, I just, uh, I, my prayer goes out to anybody who um, has experienced a loss or is moving through or toward a loss 
you know, our minds still talk to these people. Our hearts will always look for you and our souls know that you will be at peace. And that is what it's about. And please, you can contact us on After Forever, the series, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Right, Allison? And they answer, folks. <laughs> what? They Allison? do. Yeah, please send, send us your, your notes and letters and comments. Yeah, and enjoy the series. Mm-hmm. Thanks, That's Anthony. another Pride connection. <laughs> And I've heard it too many times too. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. And someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Finding the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and